Welcome to Planet Marzipan Podcast. Your fish and marillion podcast. Where we talk about all things in the planet of marillion and fish. I'm Meza, and here's my mate, Craig Houston. And welcome to Planet Marzipan Podcast. Uh, I'm Meza. I'm here with my glamorous assistant, Craig. Oh, you're back to Craig now. Well, um, it's all Barnes's fault. I know, I know. Um, this is a bonus episode, uh, so welcome, listeners. We have a guest with us. We have the lovely Felicity Prick with us. Hello, Prike. Thank you very much. Sorry, I beg your pardon. <laughs> Hyacinth. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yes, yeah, Felicity's here. She's going to talk uh, to us about her feedback about the Brave album and that time. Uh, we've got some lovely emails from some of our listeners that have come in uh, and some comments on Facebook. Uh, but because it's Felicity's first time on the pod, we get to ask her the golden question, which is, how did you first hear about the band? Okay, I'm going to try for this not to be the longest explanation ever. Oh, Gary's got that so far. Gary had a good girl last week. So, I mean, the short answer is my dad, really. So my dad was into them from the very beginning. He was into all that prog nonsense. So Genesis, yes, Jethro Tull, all that sort of thing. Um, So it was kind of in the house from when I was five years old, which would have been when script came out. Tells you how old I am. Mm -hmm. Um, And... But it wasn't really my dad because, you know, the music your dad's into is not what's cool. But my babysitter, when I was kind of, I suppose, about eight or nine years old, she'd come around a couple of times a week. And she was the coolest person I knew. She was like a few years older and she was into Marillion. And now, obviously, at nine years old, I thought Marillion must be cool. So <laughs> <laughs> that didn't last long, did it? <laughs> Something we've never, ever said on the podcast. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so I started kind of listening to, so we're still in Fish Era this time, and my dad had a video with all the stuff, like the Chippenham Gold Diggers. It had recital of the script on and various bits recorded off the Zally. Um, And then one time I was watching through this video, and all of a sudden there was there was Marillion, but not Marillion at the end of this video. It's like, who's this? And um, I guess me at 12 years old with hormones kicking in, um, suddenly found in Steve Hogarth a brand new reason to get into Marillion, really. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of where I really started getting into them more on my own. And where did you first see them live? First them live on the Brave Tour. Oh, wow. What a place to start. At Cambridge Corn Exchange. So, um, yeah, I'd have been 16. Wow. The Brave came out on my 16th birthday. Did it? And was Marillion the first band you saw, or did you see other gigs before that? Sort of. The only gig I've been to before that was the Smash Hits Poll Winners Party in 1991. And who was on at that? Um, Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. Um, <laughs> New Kids on the Block were the big act of the time. Yeah. Um, Kathy Dennis, Danny Minogue, Extreme were on. Oh. Um, and I think it was the year when um, Philip Schofield got rugby tackled by Carter, the Unstoppable Sex Machine. <laughs> it wasn't a waste then, really, was it? It was good. Yeah. 
bit of a contradiction between your first two gigs then yeah 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 a bit of a difference okay well thank you for that um we're here to talk about brave so we've put two episodes out already um in the last episode you heard the five of us guys talking about the album and our thoughts about the album and the lyrics and we got felicity on today who because obviously 16 years old you know this probably means something different to you i would guess yeah, As opposed to I'm... the five five of us hairy old blokes now, <laughs> this is a def- <laughs> definitely a, diff- a different uh, a different perspective. Yeah, I mean it's it's kind of odd. It's I feel like it's imprinted on my soul. This album, you know, I mean when I first heard it, and it it was probably the first one that I actually went out and bought with my own money, and I kind of listened to it, and I suppose at you know teenager you kind of pick out the the not hits but the the more catchy numbers so run away and alone again probably the more catchy made again as well more catchy bits and I didn't really realize it was one piece of music until I went to the gig um and there was also I don't know if you remember bet someone's got it um the program from that tour yeah 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 um, and it was really went into detail of how they wrote it. And I'm gutted I don't still own it. So because um, it was really interesting. And that's when I got to find out that it's one piece of music and where the inspiration from it came. And then I just got a bit obsessed with it, really, and studied it. I mean, this was the last few months of my GCSEs. And I probably spent more time studying Brave than any of my GCSEs. Um, I think I used it as my final drama piece. I based my final drama piece on on the story of Brave and this idea. So I always kind of, when I listen to it, I was feeling it, it's it's almost like a double hander. It's like two two voices because when you look at the lyrics or you hear the lyrics, you've got some that's in the first person, some that's in the third person. And so I always kind of imagined it as you've got the girl and then you've got this kind of voice in her head or the devil on her shoulder. It's basically... Yeah the bit in her head that's saying life's a bit shit when you jump off the bridge um and let, let's just end it and it's the whole album for me is that tussle or kind of half the album maybe I'll go into into that in a bit more it's that tussle between you know should I, do I want to live or not really at the risk of jumping ahead then what's your preferred ending for the album depends on what mood I'm in right okay <laughs> and I don't I suppose I always had the cd so i probably didn't hear the spiral mix until 20 years later yeah but I still think she could jump with made again made again could sometimes in my that's like heaven it's like she's it's the release she's done it. yeah, yeah yeah she's done it and she's yeah. you know she's in a different place she's you know moving being reborn yeah or, yeah yeah okay I can see that yeah. I've never necessarily thought well one version of that spiral was jumping and one wasn't um but we are getting ahead of ourselves yeah <laughs> well yes but it's just it's just based on what felicity said at the top of the conversation i thought i'd ask her at that point and i think her gcse project was probably end up being a lot better than what richard stanley turned out Don't you i was gonna say i hope you didn't i hope you didn't um base it on the film no i hadn't seen the film i didn't see the. it was interesting listening to you so i've listened to your episode one and um listening to because very much what you guys were saying sums up how I feel about the film that it's it's just got no grace or compassion to it has it or empathy but also I think 
one of the things that was difficult for me with the film, maybe this is the same with a lot of people, like I said, it was a long time before I heard, well, I saw the film, but it's like when they make a film of your favourite book, you've got a visual in your head already yeah. and no one else's visual, you know, someone trying to put that onto a film is never quite going to be what you've got in your head. So it was always going to be disappointing, I think, from that point of view. So, yeah, I've I've always kind of had very much that sense of the story. I mean, the idea, and like I say, bear in mind, I grew up with like War of the Worlds, so I still had this idea that of stories to music. And my mum is very much into musical theatre, so right. stories and music has always worked. But Brave just was a totally different thing. I think I can't think of anything before or since that's like it at all. Right. That that's kind of that resonates with you, like Brave. You mean? I mean, just in terms of that really kind of pulling a story together and setting it to music. Um, I don't know. And it's, I, th- I think it opened my eyes as to what music could do really in a lot of ways. Um, but to be the 16 year old girl and have this main character as a, I don't know how old she is. She's probably a bit older than that, isn't she? I thought so, yeah, yeah. 1920, I think the girl in the, and, I feel like I have to put a full disclosure. My family life was much happier. <laughs> it's not, I'm not resonating with it because I was going through a similar experience. Um, but it just, you could, you can feel what it's, what her experience was. Yeah. And it's interesting as time's gone on and I've seen the effect that the album has on older men I suppose really effectively um, which is I guess the core of Marillion's audience and it's got me kind of thinking I know we kind of said about talking about it from a female perspective but what's really clever about the lyric and this is what H does really well as he he manages to do real detail but still make it relevant to everyone yeah so he can have a story he can have his own life story in this strange engine but we all feel it ourselves because he's reflecting on emotions and events that happen to all of us yeah. in all our lives. So living with a big life Rosa, is about being born. Well, we've already experienced that. <laughs> it's about going to school and we've all experienced that. Um, and then songs like Ocean Clouds, the same, you know, it's yes, it's a very specific story about one particular person but he pulls on the threads that are very, very human. And and that's why I think we as fans connect to this music. Or I think it's a big, big part of why we connect to this music so much, because it, it, it just relates. He finds ways that... I think you're right. There are, there are devices within his lyrics, aren't there? Sort of. Probably not a great analogy, but if you'd look at somebody like Michael McIntyre's comedy, it's based on the everyman and the everyday thing and, and, and people sort of recognising those points. And there's elements of that in, in H's lyric writing. But you're right, it's sometimes it's it, go, it goes from the minutiae of, of a situation and then in the next next set of lyrics, you know, you're on a broad screen, yeah, you know, quite general comment. And it's the way it sort of pulls us in and then pulls back out again. It's really clever. Yeah. Well, within and... that within that song you've got with Living with the Big Lie, you've got the, you know, being picked for a school team and then juxtaposition with the like with the world in crisis 
with media manipulation and everything. So it 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 covers such a, a broad strokes. Yeah, and I was thinking when I was kind of looking through the lyrics again, and and it's the whole album. I mean, a it it comes and goes, like you're saying. I reckon that's probably Dave Megan who's done a lot of the putting things in order living with the big light is you know that's a very generic we can all feel that and then you're going into the story but by then you are the girl you know regardless of your own personal demographic you're already feeling like I am the main character in this and even things like Great Escape which on the surface of it is very much it's the girl on the top of the bridge saying I'm this is it it's the end of my life but we've all felt that kind of sense of, you know, things like the, the you know, why did you hurt the very one that you should have protected? Yeah. I mean, on a grand scale at the moment, you know, forget about 30 years ago. Right now, we can all feel that sense of the government who should be protecting us, you know, being the ones who are hurting us. You know, I'm not going to go too much into politics. The whole album is like a, an allegory for life and and disillusionment mm. and that's why we can all connect to this story what did you have friends that that you tried to sort of get into this music at 16 or were you kind of going to see the band on your own or well it was obviously with um my dad and my sister i have to say hello to vicky we have to mention yes hey vicky hi vicky <laughs> um, so yeah i mean it, it was just i don't think i ever I think I I sort of occasionally half up, but I mean I I didn't really have friends, so again this is why I kind of could connect to the especially that living with the big lie. I, I mean I I didn't have it's not like I had lots of friends. I was like saying to him, oh you really should listen to this music sort of right. thing. Um, so it was quite a solo thing. I mean I I seem to remember the the drama piece was with two others. And I kind of probably gave them the lyric book and said, have a read of this. And I said, you know, this is how we're going to plot this story sort of thing. I can't remember if we actually used any of the words in the piece. I can't remember if we stole anything. But you based the story on... on yeah, on yeah. So, so I kind of strung it out into three characters because there were three of us. So I was the girl, obviously. Um, and then there was a and that more of an angel and a devil. So the, there was kind of two two other characters to and then but kind of plotted that story of running away of um of the abuse of alone again for example and and stuff like that so it kind of followed that story arc did you did was it sort of improvised or did you write that down no it was it was created and then performed it was you know over a month or so a few weeks probably you've never found that again eh? I sort of discovered the document. Or... No, it wasn't. It was it was performed live. It was never recorded. Okay, in the moment. Yes, um, I did do when I went to university. I did um, what they call a scratch video to um, goodbye to all that. Um, just like a comp- using other videos to create a video. I mean that I sometimes look at that and think it's probably better than Brave the Movie as well. So <laughs> it's not difficult. <laughs> I might still have that on a VHS somewhere. Oh, you sh- if you have, you should let us have it. We'll put it on the Facebook group. <laughs> Absolutely. And then we'll just we'll just do a poll, which is better, that or Brave the Movie. <laughs> we, can, we know how it's going to go straight away. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. We like ones where we know the ending. But one of the things we even briefly talked about in the, the second part was 
H's ability to to write from multiple perspectives. You've already said about you know going at the first person with the third person that, but how he can write the the female parts without it sounding trite or yeah or patronizing uh, or patronizing or anything. That's only kind of occurred to me the last few years, and I thought this is is incredible. That I mean, how old would he have been at the time? About thirty five in his mid thirties, right? Yeah, well, offici- officially or unofficially, which, which <laughs> officially, say unofficially, it would be about like fifty seven. <laughs> um. So yeah, for, I mean, for a, a guy in his mid thirties to be writing, but. To yeah, for to write this story and for it not to sound um like patronizing or or cliched or yeah. um I mean the I think the whole a lot of the the pieces that could be are just so well done. So for example, goodbye to all that and the whole wave mad slide bit. Um, I f- I find that quite interesting because uh, whether it's my young naivety i never perceived it as actually being drug taking i was saw it as a metaphor right Uh, so again that was one of the things that in the film i'm like that's just you're just doing the obvious here it's not i'm not sure that's i I was saw it more as she was finding all those voices in her head intoxicating but yeah so it's i mean h always says there's at least two meanings to everything he writes isn't there yeah yeah so it's it's very finely balanced and and it means that it's not just uh we're gonna go and do a load of drugs and or um alone again is not is not like i'm being beaten up right now or or whatever and that end part i had to listen to it tonight the end part of alone again which is actually quite disturbing i mean it's it's full on but it's not but it's not so obvious that it's like oh this is the rape scene or this is the beating up scene or you know and yeah. that's what makes it is it, it makes it easier to feel a real sympathy for the character and an empathy um because I think sometimes you can you kind of like oh especially when you're writing women women quite often get written as being a bit whingy or um you know oh it's teenage it's just teenage angst or whatever and it's not like that at all it's it's just so well done from that perspective so looking back over the 30 years you you can see in a lot of respects how it didn't necessarily click with a lot of the the fan base at the time because not seeing that were all ignorant or didn't have the emotional depth or anything like that to to cope with something as deep but I think it it was misunderstood at the time and a lot of people didn't get it till considerably later on. Interesting point actually is that as people have grown up and grown with it um, they've kind of learnt it uh, like you say developed the emotional depth to be able to um, connect with it Um, yeah it's it's quite an interesting thought that. Uh, Yeah I mean not exactly saying it, it separates the men from the boys but I think it separates the not going to slag any of the fandom up or anything like that, because, yeah, they like it or you, I like it or you don't. You're not just talking but, about our Polish listeners now. You're talking about all our <laughs> I love everybody. You know that. But it's it's just, it, it's complex. It's not simple. And it's it, it it hits people in different ways. But this is probably the first time that Hogarth's lyrics have gone into that sort of, of emotional area. If you look at the last, the previous two albums, he touches upon it, but there's nothing 
quite as as deep as the stuff he's doing on Brave. I mean, you can see with with um, a hundred nights at the end of Holiday. Well, yes, but where it, it's an emotional. It, it's 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 peeling back layers of emotion and stuff there, whereas it's not just a, a rock song. You know, there's there's the story element there. I think it's having the space in a whole album to do that. You know, it, it's a, it affords him, the, you know, H in particular, the space to explore and get that bit deeper into stuff. And yeah. I think the, but the music as well, the music's obviously developed to the point where they're creating these real soundscapes. I mean, people, we, we kind of joked um, when I was on stage with the band doing the quiz, uh, drop that little. How long did that take? Another half an hour. Yeah, there's there's, 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 there's not like there's nothing as anybody else on this podcast. Yeah, who's never done. That. Who would have been on stage <laughs> with a band? Well, yeah. Oh, yeah, um, that before. <laughs> but one of the questions we asked was about you know how about songs that were over ten minutes long, and the majority of, okay, there's more material generally with H, but they didn't do very many that long songs with Fish. No. Um, so this is where they've, you know, with your whole mad wave, mad and great escape, you're starting to get that real soundscapey kind of idea and brave as well. The title track, um, those really lush soundscapes that H can kind of hang just it, it gives him the space to just hang snippets or just line individual lines. And they don't have to be couplets or verses. They can just be odd lines that kind of which in a in a way sometimes you say more when you say less you know yeah yeah yeah. do you think this is the sort of the start of the the cut and paste era because the stuff for the previous two albums will have been jammed live i think and this i get the the idea that this is more dave megan going well if you put that bit with that bit and they just had to work the transitions out and that's the sort of start of the blueprint for the rest of the career really yeah i think you mentioned that the other day didn't you and uh, yeah, yeah that does make sense it's it is like you say the blueprint for how they would go on and work as well i think yeah in, in the future but and, um, it's interesting and, when you were saying about you know it's not necessarily separating the men from the boys but maybe it's a kind of more separating the thinkers from the feelers hmm. Fish, fish's lyrics are very thinky you know they're very they're quite no, i don't know he's um yeah, right. we did. I was listening to the album that we're going to review next week, um, and "Rites of Passage" got me in the feels earlier today. Uh, That's later stuff, though. I mean, I'm it is later stuff, and any kind. Yeah, no, yeah, I get what you're saying in the Marillion era, yes, but I think he kind of, you know, if you look at Gentleman's Excuse Me on Vigil, that's where he started to open up into that sort of area for me. Yeah, maybe it's just an, a maturing as much. Possibly, as possibly, yeah. yeah. And also, don't get people too excited because uh, when we do Rain God's Residuals, it's not, we're recording it next week, but it's not going to be out on, for another three weeks because we've got we've got other guests in. We have. <laughs> we have got stuff in the bank. So but, uh, just <laughs> on, on while we're kind of on that kind of, not fish versus H, obviously. Comparison. I, I just want one thing I did want to say was one thing that really annoys me is when people say that like H can't sing fish era stuff because he's not angry enough. This album is just full of utter rage. 
yeah. brave is just it's so angry it's i mean hard as love is is fierce mm-hmm. it's absolutely it, it's that's what another thing that kind of the balance of the album it kind of switches between the deep sadness and just this girl's complete rage at a world that has put her in this position and again that's something we can all relate to isn't it it's like we can all kind of sit here and think people told me life was going to be like this and it's not and i'm really fucking angry about that yeah so as a 16 year 16 year old felicity going to say brave for the first time you know did that open the album up more to you when you when you because it, it was quite soon after the album came out. It was one of the things we've been talking about. How it was about it was only a few... I think it was about a month, Cambridge. And yeah, I mean, that, like I say, that's when I realised that it was one single piece of music and, and um, you know, could be taken apart and studied in that way. And, and I, you know, it was, I'd be listening to it probably every other day, at least, and singing in my bedroom, pretending to be, the girl. <laughs> so your mum and, your mom and dad didn't catch you say, standing on the sofa trying to jump up. <laughs> like just... Not quite, but uh, they probably, uh, the neighbours probably heard far more than, uh, well, be more of my voice than anything else. Craig was just frustrated he couldn't get his hair long enough to get pulled. That's right, yeah. That had was the, a problem Had the lippy him. on and everything. Had the red lipstick yeah. on, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That scared the neighbours. <laughs> and me. <laughs> I was only chasing you down the street for fun. <laughs> but so, yeah, I mean, I love that kind of rage of. I mean, I love hard as love, and and that definitely kind of t- tapped into that sixteen-year-old me. Bearing in mind that you know, you this is when grunge was coming out as well, and it's it was just that kind of that teenage angst was just all over that song. Yeah. What well, I was going to say, what do you think of the less is more interpretation of Hard as Love? Okay, moving on then. Moving on. I, I like I, it. I like it. I like oh, it. I think I, it, just... it turns this ball of rage into a nursery rhyme, and I, I think it's. I think it massively devalues it. Okay, let's yeah, I, I, disagree. I, I, as much as anything, I, I'll say it's not just that I dislike that one, but that's just because it's it's one. It's probably is up there one of my favourite Marillion songs. You know, it's so it's it's because I rate the original so highly. That's okay. why. Okay. I'm in my defence for saying that I hate something Marillion stuff. Are we allowed to do that? You oh, can yeah, say, you can you can be as honest as you want on here. Absolutely, that's the <laughs> whole point. It's everyone's got an opinion, and everybody's opinion is valid. You just might not agree with it. That's all. But it's also what you just saying before about the age stuff. It's how you feel. You know, it's mm. you don't have to overthink stuff. If you feel it, you feel it. If you don't, you don't. I mean, I can say that uh, most of fear, I don't feel. And it's one oh, of the only give it away. We haven't done fear yet. Yeah, but come, we've got so much to cover. When we're going to do, you know, it could be like like three years till we get to the fear. You know? You'll know <laughs> when we've done brave listeners because the Facebook group will be alive. I'll tell you now. When we went fear. When we done fear. When we done fear. Yeah. yeah. The Facebook group's one, alive when we do brave. One of the most contentious episodes we will do. Well, no doubt. Next to Field of Crows. Yes. Oof. Anything else you wanted to say, Felicity, about your this period of time? Probably. I mean, I could just, I could talk about these words forever. And I, I know there'll be a lot of people listening who, who know me. So if you want to chat, 
about yeah, these words. Yeah, yeah. Have you got these, any particular favourites of something that really they, touches you? In yeah, the, I mean, hard, hard as Love and the title track. I think the title track is just the most stunning. It's just so beautiful. Um, and when they did that at convention last year, I was, I, I, I just, I can really absorb myself in it. Um, and I was just kind of like, as I'm kind of flicking through the, the lyrics, it's quite interesting. The songs that you kind of think, do they fit or not? So I know H has said before, Hollow Man's a, a little bit shoehorned. Yeah. But I think it needs it. And it also, it is kind of bringing us back to us in our lives. You know, it's it's that balance of, and again, that feeling of being disillusioned with, you know, I, I've, life told me that this was what life was like or people told me this is what life is like and actually I'm not really happy with that and I feel very hollow from it and then paper lies I don't know what your feelings on paper lies are I don't mind it I think it's it's part of the album's journey it's the peaks and the troughs of the album it can't you know if it was all the same you'd be a gibbering wreck after you would be on the bridge yourself absolutely yeah it needs that contrast and and in the same way that hollow man kind of brings us down to go into lap of luxury i think it's i think paper lies is 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 you know is in the right place as well yeah but if you take a step back with paper lies if alone again in the lap of luxury had its original lyrics then lap of luxury and paper lies would have been sister tracks yeah because we made the original um Lyrics to Lap of Luxury from the demo version is about fame. And yeah, about, it's about uh, somebody uh, getting divorced, famous getting divorced and being seen out with Stephanie of Monaco. And yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. it's a it's a completely different song. It's changed completely the, the lyrics to that. So then that would fit with Paper Lies more. But Paper Lies, they say it breaks the album up. And... and it does kind of, again, it's that the use of the word luxury is is. Again, it's that clever device that we can link it to our own lives and, and that keep using the word disillusionment. I can't get away from that word on it, really. Um, so, yeah, I think and then the way that Paper Lies kind of drops down and, and then Brave comes up out of it. Yeah, the drone um, begins. It's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, I just that and that whole empire of Brave, I guess I could that could go on forever for me. Well, um, I've got a question <laughs> for you. We've, we've had some, a few emails in. And we've had one from Robert Brooke. Thank you for your email, Robert. It raises a few points, but there's one point that I wanted to ask Craig and Felicity tonight. Um, on the Ampod, when uh, Paul and Sanya reviewed Brave, they came to the conclusion that Brave was too long. I don't um, know what I would take out. Well, hang on. I haven't even asked the question yet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Based on a sort of 45-minute runtime for vinyl, what will be your track listing? I'll give you I'll give you Robert's suggested track listing. Side one is Brave uh, sorry, Brave. Bridge Living with the Big Lie, Runaway, Lap of Luxury Single Edit, Brave. And then side two is Goodbye to All That Without Mad, Hollow Man, Great Escape, and Made Again. And that's without yeah. Goodbye to All That, without the intro bit and going straight into no, because it's waving them mad, isn't it? Yeah. Out. Mad. <laughs> um, yeah. Firstly, I, do you I, agree I that go... it's too long? I, no, 
No, it it is it's it's a whole story. Um, if I was to edit it down myself, if I was if I only had forty five minutes to do and I wanted to try and get as much of the album through as possible, I'd probably take out Wave Mad and Opium. Then, not that I don't like them, I do, but I'd I'd stick more for the the song songs and probably take out Paper Lies. But other than that, that that'd probably be enough to knock it down to about fifty minutes or so. Yeah. If you're going to put a gun to my head. And say, so I'd, I'd say, just shoot me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I ain't taking any of this out. Where did uh, I, I put that Beretta? Times in my life, I'm, uh, Hollow Man, I'm probably less bothered about. Yeah. Now wash your hands always gives me a bit of the ick, but it's supposed. Yeah. yeah. I think it's supposed to give you a bit of an mm. ick. Yeah. Um, it's supposed to make you feel uncomfortable because, quite honestly, that girl's feeling very uncomfortable at that point. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I mean, I love Made Again, but yeah, I guess you could do without it. But why? Why would you want to? Well, <laughs> why would you want to do without it? I wouldn't, but it, you know, it's a view. It's an opinion of people. Like some people out there, I think we, you know, we clearly love the album. We made that very clear on the previous two pods. Um, but it's not everybody's favourite Marillion album. There are some people who kind of get on with it, and some that don't get on with it at all. It's so quite. I think. And also, I think sometimes there's a difference between favourite and best. Mm. I would say it's the best Marillion album. Is it one that I pick up and play a lot? No, because you have to be in the right frame of mind. and the yeah, right yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. I, I do sometimes play it in the car just because it's where I can sing at my loudest. But um, but it's not some, it's, it's not one that you're going to put on to try and... Cheer turn, yourself up. <laughs> no, turn, no. Turn no, people on to Marillion, is it? I think it's their best work. Yes. But it's not necessarily my favourite. Okay. Um, Robert did uh, raise another question, which I think Craig's responded to via email, but I'd like to ask him about it now so he can say it on the pod as well. Um, Any idea why EMI have chosen The Hollow Man as the first single from Brave in the UK and why release it a month after Brave had already been released? Every other album followed a standard poppiest single released a few weeks before the album schedule. Why didn't the UK get the Great Escape in January like Europe did? I think the E&R department and the, the, the press department with the EMI just didn't know what the hell to do with it. They, I think they had difficulty even thinking that anything was going to get played on the radio. Um, I, I think it was probably the, the time of release and possibly just confidence of, of how it was going to come across. But they did, they did play the, I did mention, they did play the Hollow Man on Coronation Street in the cafe at the time. So that was about as much as they got. And you did have rave posters uh, on the uh, EastEnders set. EastEnders, I remember that. Have you but... got the video of that? <laughs> no. Are you, you sure now? I'm sure. I'm sure. Me and Soap's player. Um, there was also an email from Dave Wright, which is quite a lengthy email. Thank you for your email, Dave. Uh, he talks about his thoughts of the album, gives us quite a detailed review of the gig at Leeds Town and Country Club on the 24th of February. Um and also track by track notes. And what I propose to do is put this on our Facebook group. But just wanted to read his initial thoughts at the top of the email, if that's all right. It's a great email. Yeah. Yeah. As much as I loved Season's End and the at times more accessible songs on Holidays in Eden, this is the album where they really came together, working in the same direction and gelling with Hogarth as their vocalist. This is my favourite Hogarth album. And alongside Misplaced Childhood and Clutching at Straws, their finest moment, in my opinion. It flows from beginning to end as one piece so well. 
just as misplaced childhood did and sections of clutching at straws. Although it divided opinions among fans and still does, I don't think they've ever bettered this album. It is certainly one of the best concept albums of the 90s and ranks up there as one of the best concept albums of all time. Outside of the rock progressive world and the fan base, I still don't think it's recognised or known about by the wider world to some extent, which is a shame. 30 years on, it hasn't dated at all. Where some of their albums after this may have a little, Dave Megan's production stands the test of time. In 1994, as Britpop began to take hold, alongside hearing Blur's Park Life and Oasis Cigarettes and Alcohol on the radio station Virgin 12.15am, I remember they started playing alone again in Lap of Luxury. It took me a couple of listens to realise that it was Marillion. Although I was listening on AM, I think. Rothery's gorgeous melodic riff just shone through the radio and with H's haunting vocals and that great chorus. It's a shame it wasn't the first single, really. It may have been a better choice than The Hollow Man. I remember the writer Mick Wall's review of the album and he mentioned Alone Again in the Lap of Luxury being their best song since Warm Wet Circles. Although a dark subject matter, this song really lifted me. It felt like the band were back on form and the forthcoming album was something to be really excited about. The press launch was at London Planetarium where journalists were apparently told to listen to the album before they were told it was Marillion. I remember the DJ Nicky Campbell talking about it on his late night show on Five Live. He kept mentioning the similarity of some songs, for example Bridge, The Great Escape, sounding like the piano intro to Floyd's Great Gig in the Sky. Although there is a similarity, as Mark Kelly told me, it wasn't a conscious decision to copy it. Re-listening to the album all these years later still gives me goosebumps at times. I haven't heard Stephen Wilson's remix yet, but we'll give it a listen at some point. And then he goes into great detail about the live gig and, as I say, puts a track-by-track review, which we will put on our Facebook group. But thank you very much for writing in, Dave. We do appreciate it. It was funny because it Kerrang at the time when Hollow Man came out as a single, it was like, yeah, it's good. We love the song and all the rest of it. But just wait because uh, Alone Again in Lap of Luxury, which is going to be the hit single from the album, is coming along soon. And it's like, no, you don't say that. <laughs> yeah, no. We also had some comments in the Facebook group from James Levy, who's the band's archivist. And um, you may be hearing from James at a podcast near you soon. Next week. Spoiler alert. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, thanks for another great episode, gentlemen. Brings back some memories, especially that baking hot July day in Milton Keynes for the Brave film premiere. Here are some nuggets of info regarding the writing of the album. There were a couple of bits of music from Brave that were actually written during the holidays sessions. Wave had a working title of Jeff Beck, and it was written in Pete's garage while H was on his forced holiday. And the verse chords for Lap of Luxury were originally part of a very early version of Waiting to Happen. The first writing sessions for Brave started in May 1992, although some bits were tried out at the start of the year while they were working on songs for the singles collection. And it was in early December 92 when the band decided to go for a concept album and they had early versions of Big Lie, Runaway, Heart of Love, Bits of Goodbye to All That, Hollow Man and Lap of Luxury. And if you find any of that interesting listen out for james's interview with us next week it's fantastic it really is i mean we found out stuff that we had absolutely no idea of really really good why he's on the quiz writing team he is and he does get credit for that in the podcast as well and you're on a a quiz writing team Mm -hmm. and i am contrary to what you say 
<laughs> You're on the quiz presenting team. No, I wrote some <laughs> questions last year. Two, I think you're fine. One got rejected, but there you go. That's life. And I'm long since retired. I'm part of the team that votes for the questions when we do the voting, but yes. Yeah, Felicity is part of the team that helps us to to sort the quiz out for Port Zealand. Um, she's part of the team that does the scoring and she came on and did the final scores. Was it last, not last time, time before? No, last time. Last time, yeah. Um, and I think you enjoy it, don't you? I do. I'm always happy with a microphone in my hand. Well, you've presented on stage, haven't you? You've presented a, it yeah. one year on stage in Port yeah. Zealand as well. Was that 2015? The band Against the Fans, yeah. 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 Great fun, yeah. And so, what it is. Absolutely. Any final thoughts on Brave then, guys? I think I was just going to say, as it's quite a nice final thought, um, I always feel changed when I listen to this album. I feel like a different person at the end of it. I feel it's it's very cathartic. Yes, yeah, especially yeah. once you get through escaping at the mid again. Yeah. You're on a high. And I feel, yeah, kind of cleansed. And I feel like I, I've kind of been through something, but I, I've come out the other side. And it's, I can't really think of much else that makes me feel like that. Or maybe Dark Side of the Moon might be the only other album I can really think of that, that makes me feel like, I, I've gone on a journey, a real yeah, journey with that yeah. that album. So, yeah, that's kind of, um, I suppose, it's, like I say, it's not something I choose to put on very often. But I, when I do, it, I know that I'm gonna, I'm gonna feel better at the end. I think of it. That's a great way of summing it up. I think uh, to quote Steve Hackett, whose new album comes out this week, he's done a concept album and he said, "I've tried to make a film for the ears." Kind of fits as well. I think I like that. Yeah. Well, there we go, folks. We'd be really, really interested to hear your thoughts on what we've discussed today. Um, Felicity's brought us yet another angle on this wonderful album. Um, some great, great views on the lyric and and just being that age and sort of this was the first sort of really important album. That must have been a really exciting time. Yeah, yeah. It took me quite a long time to become a proper Marillion Marillionaire or um yeah yeah you leave your cool them behind you let the cool them go and then you're okay um, yeah it took, it took a long time for me to really get inducted into the cult but um yeah it, this was the one that that I just kind of lived with me for for 10 years really fantastic before. well look thanks for thanks for sharing your stories with us today um so it's good night from Felicity good night and good night from me and it's good night from him. Take care. Stay alive. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Planet Marzipan Podcast. Please like and subscribe from whichever platform you get your podcasts from. You can contact us at planetmarzipanpodcast at gmail.com and check out marillion.com, fishmusic.scot or fishmusic.eu for all the good stuff.